Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. So our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew, if you have your Bibles. I'm just going to read one short verse to get us started, and then a little later on, I'm going to tell the story a bit of, um, of what is happening in the scripture. So it's Matthew 17, verse 20. Matthew 17, verse 20. Hear these words. I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So you know, in my house lately, my five-year-old has become fascinated with micro things, little bitty bugs that he finds on the ground, any kind of little stick, And so because of that, I think he had a renewed fascination with something I gave him last year that I got at the St. Louis Zoo. And it's these tiny little animals. You probably can't even see them from home. They're so small. This is a little bitty hippo. And then the collection would not be complete without a little bitty chimpanzee. A Nemo fish, which actually in real life might start out this small, and most hilariously of all, a little bitty giraffe. And because they're so tiny, we lose these in my house all the time. So it becomes like this big thing when we find one under a couch or tucked away somewhere in a chair. Um, And we have this little bowl we put them in when we find them. I think there's 20 of them, and we know where four are. So... It'll be fun in the next couple weeks to see which animals we find next. So this led us to do a little bit of research online about micro animals, like little bitty animals in nature. And so as we did that, we discovered the two smallest animals that we know of or creatures that we know of in the world. And I have a picture of the first one. This is actually called a Brachysia micra chameleon. It grows to be just over one inch long, and so it it can sit. As you see it in that picture, it just sits right there on the tip of the finger. And I'm not even sure we can appreciate just how small that is unless you saw it in real life. And it wasn't even discovered until 2012, and it was discovered in Madagascar. But it's not the smallest of the creatures because we found something even smaller. This tiny little frog is just seven millimeters long. It's the smallest vertebrae in the world. You see it's sitting on a dime, and it really, if you pushed it to the edge, it doesn't even take up half of a dime. So later today, take a dime and really contemplate how delicate that really is to have a frog just that small. You know, small things can be hard to detect, but their size does not diminish their importance or their power. And this isn't just true with living creatures. This is most especially true with our faith. You know, faith can be an incredibly large part of a person's life, but it rarely starts that way. 
And even often in life, it doesn't stay that way. You see, faith often starts as this tiny little thing, barely seen, barely noticed. We might not even observe when it begins to grow a little bit. And of course, we just read the most famous scripture related to the size of faith, the tiny mustard seed. Even most non-Christians know that particular verse. Listen to it again. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now we know that scripture, a lot of us, but we don't always think about what preceded those words. What brought Jesus to that point of conversation with his disciples? And I think the story right before it is pretty powerful and it speaks a lot about faith and I think it it speaks a lot about where we are in this time in our life. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record it. They all tell it a little bit differently and so I didn't wanna read it today because I wanted for you to be able to hear some of the details brought in by each of the gospels. It's a story of a father whose son has a serious disorder. He can't speak, he cannot hear, he has seizures at unpredictable times, and these seizures have led him at times to throw himself upon the fire. Sometimes he has even been thrown into the water, and his family, they never know when these are gonna start. It records in scripture that his body would stiffen up and his mouth would foam and he would fall over. And you can imagine that this had to be an incredibly frightening thing for his family. They don't know what it is. They don't have the technology that we have to explore that or even the people to go to to try to figure it out and so they attribute it to a demon. What else could it be? I'm sure it looked like this child was possessed by a demon. If you've ever known anyone who had epilepsy or any other neurological condition like that, You can only imagine what this family was going through. Kind of the terror of never knowing when it was gonna strike. You're held captive by it. There's no way to rest, really. No way to ever leave the little boy alone. They have to constantly be vigilant. Keeping him alive is a full-time job. They're worried, worried that he's gonna harm himself. And they themselves, I'm sure, as they have held him as his body seized, have the bruises and the scars from that as well. There really isn't a future for him that isn't overshadowed by this terrible illness. And so the family is desperate. And then they hear of this man, this man whom some say is a rabbi. It has been told that he can heal people. He's even healed people like this little boy. And so they grab him up, and they begin this journey towards finding Jesus. Now, we don't really know how far the family traveled, don't really know where they were located, but we do imagine that they traveled on the wings of hope, and they somehow carry him there to meet Jesus face to face. It's this place that started out really in desperation, and then it had that seed of hope, And only then after that does it begin to journey towards faith. The father desperately pleads his case to Jesus when he finds him. Already the disciples had tried to heal the boy and they were unsuccessful. 
And so these are the words that he says to Jesus, and they're from Mark 9. They'll be on your screen. This is what he says. Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it it dashes him down, and he foams, and he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they couldn't do so. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Now, I love the honesty of that last sentence. If you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. This is not a statement of faith. A statement of faith would have said, but you are able to do anything, so have pity on us and help us. Instead, we see that tiny word, if. If you are able to do this. Y'all know that word, if, right? You've said that word a few times in your life. If you love me, then you will do this. If I get that job, well, then I can. If you are able to do anything about it at all. This lack of faith, it's not lost on Jesus. In fact, he doesn't chastise the man, but he does call attention to it. And he replies back to him and he says, if you were able, kind of like that, duh, I'm Jesus kind of thing. Like, of course I can do this. Did you not see what I did? He doesn't have that arrogance, but it is that. If you were able, of course. And then he says this beautiful thing to him and it, it is instructive. It tells him what to do next. He says, if all things can be done for the one who believes, All things can be done for the one who believes. And immediately, scripture says, the father cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. So many times when we are faced with challenges in our life and we want desperately to believe with a depth and a maturity that we know our faith can offer, and yet we find ourselves uttering a form of those same words I believe, help me in my unbelief. If you have a sick kid, you are bound to be shaken up. If your world is shaped by the distress of a loved one, you probably have days where you wonder if it's ever going to get better. If you're in this place of fear right now and you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, that's a lot of us right now. Then you can find yourself unsure of how to handle the fears of today. We have plenty of unbelief in our world, don't we? Even among the faithful, it seems to ebb and flow in us. We hear stories of help from God, and we wanna believe that we too could be the recipients of that help, but there's always, it seems, this nagging little piece that is there at different times in our life. And some days, it takes all the faith we have to simply say, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Now this, to me, is the beginning of faith. It's a faith even smaller than a mustard seed. But here's the best news of all. God can take even the mere desire for faith and he can grow it 
into something magnificent. Hebrews 11 defines faith in this way. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You know, it is easy to believe in things when they are right in front of us, when the path is really clear, when we know what is gonna happen and we can lay it all out, we can see all the steps. It is much harder to have faith when we don't know the way, when it's unfamiliar to us, when everything we try does not seem to work in the way that we thought that it should. And sometimes we think that the only way that we can know God is if we can see him and feel him. But that's not always true in our lives. There are just times when God feels distant from us. There are times when we cannot see what God is up to. We cannot see where God is at work in a particular situation and those times are so hard and they're lonely and they're filled with anxiety and fear. The truth is often when faith becomes most real to us, it's when we experience times like those, like the years and years that father prayed for that boy and it seemed that nothing was happening. He couldn't know that down the road there was a man growing up whom one day he would encounter that would change his life forever. He couldn't know that. All he could see was the sick child in front of him and it went on for years and years and years. The pain of that is not something to be diminished, not something of which God is unaware. And yet, he persevered. We're in this strange season of our lives right now. And I know that the way forward is so murky. And every time we think we get a handle on it, something changes. And when the rules are constantly changing, it's hard to know which way to go. A lot of people are angry and disappointed. A lot of people are wondering where the leadership is where God is in the midst of this. A lot of people are tired of trying. And I think that begins to happen. But I also believe that that is the space really in that that place of almost desperation where God can come in and God can begin to show us things that we might not have been able to see or might not have been open to before where faith becomes real. We have to learn to trust God to restore us, to help us be made whole again, even when we can't see him doing so. In addition to the introduction of the coronavirus in our world, I know the last few months have been difficult for all of us for lots of different reasons. There are other illnesses in this world that many of us are dealing with. There have been divorces, there have been a loss of a job. There has been poverty that was unexpected or poverty that we're just always imprisoned to. There have been life changes. There has been death, addiction, so much more that people are constantly dealing with. And we've ridden this tidal wave of emotions and we have not always come out on top. And there are days when we feel overwhelmed by it all. But here's the thing. Our God is not overwhelmed 
by any of it. Our God says, if you have but the tiniest seed of faith, bring to me your mountains. Bring to me those things that are getting in the way of you truly being able to know and experience a relationship with me. And I will show you how together we will move them. You know, even if you have never really had a relationship with God, you have seen God at work. You may not have known that that was God, but I know that you have seen it. Somewhere in your life, God has put his hand upon you. And I think it's why we're here. It's why we're even listening to this sermon today. A small faith can do great things if there is the desire for that faith to grow. So don't give up, because here's the cool thing. Faith is alive. It is like a tiny seed that you bury into the ground. And through Christ, that faith will not always be small. And there will come a day through the years as it grows when it will be a faith that will provide shade for you and for others. It will be able to inform your next steps and your decisions. It will give you courage. It will give you a way forward when there seems to be no way. So this is how the scripture passage ends. It ends with Jesus healing the boy. Can you imagine how incredible that moment was? When this little boy who didn't speak, who couldn't hear, suddenly was able to communicate again. When no longer was the threat of this illness overshadowing every other aspect of this family's life, the celebration, the way the town must have just gone crazy. But that's not the direction scripture goes in. It doesn't really talk about what happened next with him. We're just left to imagine Instead, it goes into this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. His disciples who had been unable to heal the boy before he got there. And they were disappointed. And they were frustrated that they couldn't. And and so he chastises them for their lack of faith. Now, it's their lack of faith because in them, it constantly seems to ebb and flow. They have these times when they've really got it and they're on fire and they're gung-ho and they're healing people and all the words are the right ones and then they have these times when it's like they never even met Jesus. It's this ebb and flow and so he's criticizing this and he's saying, listen, your life needs a little more, a little more concreteness to it. Your faith needs to be solid, solid like a seed so that As it grows, you will not be so easily swayed by the wind. God wanted to create something incredible in all of their lives. And it takes them a long time to understand it. If you follow the story of the disciples through scripture, it still continues to ebb and flow, even after this story. And they have moments of greatness, and they have moments when they are terrible failures. And you get through the Easter story, and then you begin reading in the book of Acts, And you begin to see finally, finally, that seed is broken forth through the ground and they are different. They're no longer as they were before that moment of resurrection. There is a strength to them. There is a certainness that is wonderful to behold. And they begin to approach life with a different level of confidence and beauty. There is a maturity to it 
which is lovely and helpful. We all know people in our lives like that. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you have gone through those phases, phases of your life. Maybe you have been in spaces of deep suffering, those times long underground, but you kept trying and you kept trying and you kept even taking risks and failing sometimes, but you didn't give up. And because of that, you've seen your faith grow in tremendous ways. We all know those people. This is the place that God wants us to get to. He doesn't want us to stay in that shallow space. He doesn't want us to have a faith that is so easily thrown away, but he'll take even the tiny seed, even that little bit. And so I really want to encourage you today to think about that, to think about where you are in your faith life. Have you so entrusted God with who you are that you've allowed him to plant that seed deeply? When you get into those spaces of trouble, do you have that confidence that God is with you through it? If not, how might you begin to move into that next step that God has for you in your life? You know, a seed unburied is unrealized potential. It's really just a waste. May we so trust our God that even if at times we cannot see the light, we know that he's at work on our behalf. May we hold tight to that trust. May we know that little bit by little bit, God is working on our behalf. You know, even small things are no less important or powerful. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you know where we are. You have seen the things that we have seen, the troubles, God. At times we do confess that we have been shaken. But Lord, we want to be in that space of desiring nothing but you. God, help our faith to so grow that it becomes this place of rest for others on the journey. May we get to that place where our confidence in you grows as the disciples grew. May we be able to be used in wonderful and beautiful ways. Or God, even if we're in that place right now where we just are uncertain, where we just, we desperately want to believe God, I just pray that you would take that, that, that little desire, and you might grow it into something that honors your name. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.